marching as one on the road to the Holy Grail. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we discuss the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing over the next hour or so. Joining me once again, Mr. Adam Puncher. Hey, man. How you doing? Pretty good. Mr. Andrew McDonald. I'm also doing well. Cool. Good to hear. Great. And Mr. Nathan Hudson. Fine. Thanks for asking. Wicked, wicked Sweet, good times. Episode 10, people. Woo! Good times. We are officially in the double digits, and I'm just so goddamn proud of all of us. So let's not waste a second more. We have uh, five more songs to talk about. Let's start at the very beginning. At number 55, it's uh, the lovely, lovely Miss Deborah Conway with Alive and Brilliant. We'll the clouds black. They say it's gonna fall, but I haven't been keeping track. So now we're Hottest 100 with Alive and Brilliant. Before I get into the song itself, I would just want to say how much I fucking adore Deborah Conway. I think she is a beautiful, beautiful woman. Uh, a very charitable, a very sweet, and a very kind, and a very intelligent woman. And an absolutely delightful songwriter who has released consistently great music over the years and is constantly underappreciated. Uh, for most people, their relationship with Deb's music begins and ends with It's Only the Beginning. And that's totally fine. That's a fucking great song. But uh, she has a lot more to offer and she is still thriving and uh, consistently working uh, in music. Yeah, I just love what she does. I love what she stands for. Uh, when it comes to this song, uh, you know, it's a, it's a bit AOR, you know, it, it might be a little more, these days, a little more Radio National than Triple J, and I'm pretty curious as to how it got this high, but uh, it's, uh, it's a lovely song. I think the vocals are quite lush. I, I always thought Deb, uh, her vocals were the strongest point of her music. I, I think it really gives the song a lot of distinctive character, and it really brings you into it but yeah i really i really like this i think it i think it's quite lovely and uh 
but I'd be interested to uh, see what you guys uh, uh, think, mainly because I'm pretty sure none of you know who Deborah Conway is. Well, you're right. I didn't actually know who Deborah Conway is prior to listening to this track. There you go. But I have to agree that I, you know, with a lot of what you just said, I think that um, the message and the tone of the song is one that, you know, I instantly recognize and I instantly go, oh, okay, it's one of these kinds sure. of songs. Yeah. Um, you know, and it has the potential to be kind of perilous and overdone, but I think it is the strength in her vocal performance that stops it from being that. And I actually find it a really satisfying song. I think it's magnificently produced for a start. Oh, yeah, like, definitely. All of the instrumentation sounds really good. Like, every layer is satisfying in itself. The bass riff is del- is just delicious. The, the yeah, snare, yeah. crispy. It's, it's a well-prepared dish. <laughs> I would eat again. Tasty, tasty, tasty. Yeah, Nathan? Yeah, no, I, I agree with Adam. Like, I'm mainly familiar with Only the Beginning, um, which is a wonderful song. I wish um, we got to talk about that. I yeah, I know. Song. Lovely, lovely song. But yeah, I think... That'll the, be in the show notes. The production of this song is beautiful. It's, it's so a really lovely song. Like, yeah. it's it's a little bit dark, and, you know, there's some complexities with, like, the rhythms and instrumenta- instrumentation. It's, yeah, it's a lovely song. I was actually non, a bit nonplussed on this song. Okay. I, that doesn't surprise me. I hadn't, I, I'm actually more... The I've heard the band that she was previously in, Do Re Me, I've yes. heard some of their tracks. I found that to be a bit more playful, a bit more interesting. This track, I thought, was a rather innocuous kind of pop tune. Her vocals were fantastic, and the production was spot on. Yeah. I'm not going to argue either of those points, but I thought that the actual composition of the song was... Just uh, left me wanting a little bit more. I wasn't that impressed. I wasn't, like... It, I, I would never turn away from this, but I was okay. not that kind of wowed by it I uh, like I, the previous stuff that I've heard from Miss Conway is more impressive than this pace I thought I thought it was rather rather generic just kind of Triple J does pop kind of music that I probably wouldn't turn to it again see I see this fitting in more with kind of like what's happening with uh, some singer songwriter acts at the moment like really I'm, like who, who would you compare her to there was a little bit of a Sharon Van Etten vibe not really? a huge one and, okay. and like also some singer-songwriters uh, you know female singer-songwriters of the period as well that you know like are still producing sure, music now yeah. like it, it fits into a nice I think singer-songwriter spectrum like I, I, don't, I see it yeah like it, it I know it's place and I think that's kind of why I warmed to it and found it so satisfying immediately because I was able to have that vocabulary it's not one of these songs that you hear and you really don't know what to think like I knew what to think and it hit the right spot I think so too on you Deb keep doing what you're doing Playtime's over, motherfuckers. At number 54, it's the goddamn Hunters and Collectors with Holy Fucking Grail. Oh, so high. Millions and 
and Collectors number 54 with Holy Grail. Mac, how fucking good is this song? I love this song. Yes. I have so much time for Hunters and Collectors. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think, um, the, uh, just to veer away from this and veer towards Human Frailty for a moment, the earlier record, I think that was the first piece of, uh, I guess, physical piece of music that I ever actually remember having a connection with. I remember yeah. holding the CD with this... Very young. It was one of my earliest memories. I wouldn't be able to tell you. Less than five. Yeah, was, yeah, one right. Of my, one of my absolute Yikes, earliest memories yeah. is holding the CD of this when my mum played it. So, uh, of human frailty, that is. Mm-hmm. Of course, that has, uh, that's got so, Say Goodbye, Throw Your Arms Around Me. Does that have talking to a stranger? Or is that... I think I that's the record beforehand. Yeah, I think um, so too. But it's got, th- it's got three arms around me. Yeah, and yeah. say goodbye. It's, <laughs> I have nothing <laughs> Nothing else matters. Yeah, I've got nothing but... It doesn't matter any sort of criticism that might be leveled at the band. Say, I guess the, a common criticism might be they are, I guess, the lesser crowded house. And to a certain degree, I do understand, but I have nothing but love and nostalgia and... Well, you memory. know the connection there as Of course, well. yeah. Yeah, because... Uh, Nick Seymour is the bassist in Crowded House, and mm. his uh, brother Mark is the lead vocalist in Hunters. Does that mean they're a New Zealand band? No, uh, no, 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 they're no. Both from Melbourne. Uh, yeah. Neil okay. Finn is the Neil, only one Neil from is the, New Neil Zealand. Is the, okay, yeah. sorry, my bad. Mm. But yeah, I have nothing but love for Human Frailty, and this song, whilst I don't think it's perhaps not quite up to the standard of uh, those couple of songs, but that only means that it, that, that that means that it, it is merely a magnificent song rather than a perfect song. It's yeah, sure. I have nothing but love for Holy Grail. There's so much to to adore about this track. Every, the, the lyrics are wonderful. The orchestration is beautiful. Everything about it, I, I play it and I, I, I want it to last forever. This is one of those songs that it, it's it, when, when, when it's yeah. like there's so few pieces of music, even in I guess music that I love that's more experimental. There's so few songs that I can say that when it's on, I don't care about any other piece of music and this is one of those songs for me. I have so much time for this fucking piece of music. That line in that, um, like, you know what they say, no one deserves to die. I, oh so my good, so God, good. I want to eat that. This, this yeah. song, I, I love it with all that I am. I fucking adore this song. I have nothing, I know that it's, there's, there's nothing to say. I have such a, my love for it is so kind and so pure that I can't analyse it. No, I'm I'm with you all the way, man. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, let's throw it to I. I'm gonna assume uh, complete stranger to hunters and collectors. Uh, apart from maybe throw your arms around me. Uh, are you are you across this band on this this song? Yeah, you, um, he's talking to me um, as well. Well, you then <laughs> figure it out once you started talking. Yeah, there it is. There's a reveal. It look. I know this song really, really well um, because you know it's everywhere. Um, it is, yeah. But this is kind of the thing. I might, I, might get a, I might get a little bit personal when I talk about this as well, but like, I've never heard this song out of context of a something. You know what I mean? Like, for a while yeah. it was... it was A the, soundtrack song? Or? Well, a soundtrack... But also I mean, football. Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, Definitely football. It's so anthemic, yeah. and like, it just captures everything. That they you, performed at the at the uh, grand final yeah. and played this song. Mm. Um, it, was, it, was, it was used for the AFL, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the, the music for it and whatever. And... I've always had it in association to other people, other groups, um, you know, like other things. And to be honest, I've never felt I belonged with any of them. So I've always felt like... Looking I, in? I've always felt looking in on this song. It's always been associated with stuff that I feel like I cannot touch. This is I, I get the love that you have, man, and I see that from everyone. I don't feel like, for some reason, 
and this is totally like something that I've had growing up in association with this song, which has always kind of been there. I, I read a tapestry of Australian culture that I'm not a part of and that I can't touch. And so it's really bittersweet for me because I, I, I love the song. And I think as a piece of music, when I hear it in my own personal time, I, I think it is magnificent and I think it is beautiful, but there is still that part of me that is kind of like, you're not worthy. Like you're not, you, this isn't, this isn't for you. You're, you're listening to something that you can't touch and you can't own. I think um, one day it will click for you. One day, I hope so. one day you'll be in a place, and, and this song will come on the radio, or you'll happen to like I'm gonna put that song on YouTube, and, and you'll play it, and you'll realize that this is this song is the whole. You have a lot of faith. You have a lot of faith in this I song. Do, I have. I do have a lot of faith in this song. Well, like maybe so, um, but yeah, like I, I, I guess it kind of reflects back on my own in in my youth, like rather ambivalent relationship to you know being an Aussie in, yeah. in that kind of inverted commas, not an Australian, but an Aussie. Um, and that's kind of what this song is to me. It's really, really hard for me to talk about it in terms apart from that. I just, it's, I just read so much of that kind of stuff. Do you have a cultural cringe with it, or no, not really. Um, it's not a cultural cringe, but it's kind of like right. This is this is Aussie, and that's kind of never wanted me. Um, so, and that's that's the way it goes mm. as well. It's not me rejecting it. I just don't feel like it's uh, it's something that I can connect to. I don't really feel an Aussiness to it, to be you honest. Don't? Nathan? I, I, guess, I, I guess it's the way... I, I think I can appreciate it beautifully. Yeah. Especially because, like, I don't know, growing up, I always attached this song to football. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, and, yeah. and that was always... That's that's always an other thing for me. I was just like, that's... And and probably for, for a lot of the time, you know, this song was like, oh, this is... You know, I put this song with Kaysan just in terms of people at the pub are going to all sing this and I don't really want to be part that's, of that. That's, that's kind of it as well, hey. I will go nuts over other hunters and collectors songs like talking to a stranger and obviously three arms around me is perfect and so many other songs but then oh, I don't know sometime in high school when I was busking a lot I was like I think I was playing three arms around me and I was like oh I should learn Holy Grail as well because then maybe the football people will give me money that'll work out alright and then playing I was like no no this song is actually incredible and, and it is for me as well so I think I can appreciate where you're coming from but maybe, I've, I've yeah. had the switch that Andrew's talking about Okay, maybe that's exactly what I need to do. Yeah, I, need to, yeah. I need to consume this song somehow. Maybe. I just maybe. need to feel it more. Well, you know, like, it's re- weird you mentioned performers because there was this one story I have with this song where I was I was part of this really half ass high school band and we were asked to play some songs uh, at this opening of a, of a community event or whatever. Anyway, we picked this song and we did a really half ass job that was really bad and I sang it and it was horrible. And so I guess that's another kind of layer of alienation. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you have that memory, it's kind of... Oh, man. I, can't, I can't picture a memory that's further from my own memory for Hunters and Collectors. Like yeah, that. like it's. I, I I have memories of this song. I have memories of this song. I'm also human family, but this song as well. Yeah, dancing with my mum in my old living room, listening to Hunters, and listening to Hunters and Collectors. So I'm never not gonna love them, dude. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's amazing. What divine fucking intelligence that we get to cover this song, get to cover this band. You know, even once, I I think this song is just so glorious, and it it kind of does break my heart that you feel like. Adam, you yeah. feel like you you can't get something out of it because I don't know you don't like football, I guess. I I, I don't really see what That's, you what your con- like your like your disconnect is. Like it's hard to examine. All, all you really seem to bring up was the fact that you know it's associated with with football and more you know. than that. I, like when I look at this song, I read a whole lot of cultural tapestry related to the country. Well, like it's, like it's what gone. like what what do you see? You know. 
Well, you know, I see. I see also those kinds of people that uh, that Nathan was talking about. You know, like a, a really close group of of friends who all identify very strongly, you know, with Australian culture, who are able to really come around this song. And I've never really had that. And so, like again, I'd see the song. Okay, that's for them. It's not for me. It's not. A, it's. It's. I mean, it's. It's huge and it's not huge at the same time because I can still look at this as a piece of music and listen to it in my own time and go, "This is great. It's magnificent." But it's just it's so yeah, it's associated to a lot of things for me, and a I lot of a lot of anxieties. There, there really. are aspects, I think there's yeah. a huge amount of humility and humbleness that goes with this song. I love that about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. So, yeah, this song, like they, they they're not saying they found the Holy Grail. They're looking for it. It's a yeah. search. Mm. There's nothing. It finishes with "I'm still a fool for it." Yeah, yeah. they may never find it, but. Uh, yeah, I really, really love this song. Like, that definitive piano part, those horns that that really bring that song to the next level. Uh, Mark's vocals are just outstanding in this. I guess I, I see it as a, a cornerstone of the legacy of Australian music and why I feel it should be regarded, I guess, as, as much uh, love and respect that, you know, the timeline of... Uh, British music and American music and even Canadian music gets, you know, like mm. it, in in the in the sh- long term, it's a it's a relatively new thing. Australian music is a relatively new thing, at least from a contemporary perspective. But I feel like we've achieved so much, and there is just so much there t- to offer the world, not just people who are from Australia that would know this song, you know. I feel that there's you can learn so much from Australian music and you can get so much out of it. And I feel like Holy Grail is a song is a defining example of the potential of that, for me mm. anyway. So, um, fucking Godspeed to Hunters and Collectors is there. Uh, I'm not sure if we... Oh, actually, technically we do get to cover them again, uh, thanks to our good friend Mr. Paul McDermott. Uh, but that is a that is another story for another time. But uh, just before we wrap up, does anyone have uh, anything else they'd like to add about Hunters and Collectors? It's disappointing that we don't get to touch on, I'll just say it quickly, but uh, um, Three Arms Around Me, because it's a song that I listen to and it will bring me to tears. Yeah. I but also, know, it, I know this song. I don't it did, know it, it, maybe it did incredibly know well. Um, oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. But Three Arms Around Me, like, it came, what, number two? Uh, two and three, I think, in the Hottest 100s sure? before it turned into this one. Yeah, 91 and 92, I'm pretty sure it was in the top three. Yeah, yeah. wow. And that was, like, for songs of all time. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's, that's the first very few 100s were. Yeah. Wow. So, it's like, really, it, it was right up there song. with um, Love Will Terrace Park. Great. Yeah, yeah. So that's, no, okay. Another mm. Goddamn. Fucking love this band. Just love everything that... I love this whole conversation. This has been one of the best conversations we've had in the entire podcast, I think. So, uh... Very, very grateful that we got to talk about these guys. So thank you to Hunters and Collectors. We're still looking. And number 53, this is Buffalo Tom with Taillights Fade. Dinosaur, 
broken face and broken hands I'm a broken man Buffalo time at number 53 with Tail Lights Fade. Adam, let's throw this one to you. What's your take on this particular Buffalo? Well, the things I've learned, Dave, from the Honest 100 of 1993... Yes. ...is that if you have the word Buffalo in your name, you are most likely my enemy. This, oh. There is I, there's nothing like in this song. It's muddy, it's overwrought, it's cliché, the rhymes are horrible, the lyrics in general are, are just... They're drawing upon things that... Uh, cliches that don't exist and we've heard so many other times before and a kind of tone that we've heard so many other times before and it doesn't add anything to it it's just it's vacuous and useless and I've heard this song once and I feel like I've gotten everything I need to know out of it and I never want to hear it again I'm surprised you're able to muster that much about this song to be honest I think there's it's too inauspicious to even like I barely remember it I've listened to it a few times but I'm still struggling to recall it it's just so so inauspicious and uninspired that I can't muster even that vitriol over it. It's just a, it's it's a, it's just a, a vanilla tapioca scoop of nothing. I like vanilla more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was trying to like you know read a bit more about Buffalo Tom, and one of the first things that came up was just this guy's horrible like Geo City style site where he just oh. recounted. Come, like being in college in America and then coming across a college radio DJ playing Buffalo Tom and just flipping out and thinking it was the best thing ever. I was like, yep, that's exactly what this band is. It's a college rock. This band is GeoCities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. College rock, like. Who is that guy? Anecdote on GeoCities. What, what was he studying? Man, college is getting a really bad rap on this show. Like, every time it's just like, oh, they're a college it's band. College fuck. Rock. Ugh. But I, I don't know, I think that's exactly what this is. This is just like pure middle of the road. It feels like the halfway point between Pearl Jam and Nickelback, but watered down <laughs> 10 parts college rock. That was more biting than anything that I saw. Yeah, it well, was horrible, man. <laughs> and you did it so sweetly as well. <laughs> oh, it just sounds a bit like Nickelback. Fuck! Off the top of our heads, can we think of any, like, just to, I don't know, even the playing field as far as college rock goes, can we think of any college rock bands that we're particularly fond of? The Pixies. R.E.M.? Great. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, moving on. <laughs> what, did you, what, what did you think of this song? Look, uh, I, I'm at the point where I'm, I feel like a lot of these acts are starting to blend together for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a lot of the same guitar tones, it's a lot of the same yep. sort of pacing. Yep. Uh, but, um, Soft grunge. Yeah, yeah like it, it's, it's all part of the time capsule and it's all in its own little particular section, you know. Uh, you know, the vocals are okay, uh, they, they got a, a, a nice bit of noise out of the trio format here, so, you know, it's got that going for it, but apart from that, you know, I don't, I don't think Buffalo Tom are really a band that I'm gonna be rushing out to buy an album of any time soon, like, there is a, I don't think since Underground Lovers has there been such a wave of indifference yeah. around, around this table, you know, 
It's no, I'm definitely more on the distaste side of the difference. Like, this is definitely yeah, a bad yeah. song. Mm. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking. Um, it's it's one of many bad songs that all kind of sound the same. I mean, it's 1993. We're kind of like we had like you know grunge burst onto the scene a couple of years ago, and you know people were familiar with the Pixies from before that, and like now we're getting all of these bands that are playing music like this, and it's like, oh yeah, you heard grunge, and you know thought yeah. that anyone could do it, and. Boy See, I, I, this is another thing where I wouldn't call this band grunge. <laughs> no, but I think it's, it's heavily influenced influence from that, it, though. Like, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think yeah, these okay. guys listen to, like, Soundgarden and, and, you know, Alice in Chains and all that, and they're like, yeah, we can do this, but, like, we can make it more accessible to college radio stations. <laughs> I suppose you're right. Uh, so, Buffalo Tom are actually still together, and... Uh, amazing- That's not what I said. Yeah, um, amazingly, <laughs> amazingly, like... Pretty much all of the acts that we've talked about, like most of them have split up and then reformed probably about yeah. 2010. But Buffalo Tom never split up. Uh, they still have the same lineup that they did when they started. They're still together. Their most recent album came out in 2011. Apparently there's a new one on the way, but... Uh, we'll uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Old Nate from Geocities is the only one who gives a <laughs> shit. So uh, I guess we'll leave it to him. Alrighty, at number 52 in the 1993 Hottest 100, this is Soul Asylum with Runaway Train. with One Away Train. Uh, now, at specific request, we are going to throw this right back to Adam Buncher. Hey, man. Adam? Yeah. Take us on a trip. Hey, Dave. Yeah, man. You know how, like, you usually begin by saying, like, do you have any relationship to this song? And that kind of thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And you know how normally I'm just like, no, not much. You look like you have a relationship with this song. Do, do you? you? I do. Go on. This, this fucking song... Man, take, like, it, take us, take us back. Hang as on. you may or may not know, cool. So I'm 14, and right. I get my first job. I'm blessed enough that it's in commercial radio. Uh-huh. I've managed to hold on to the same job at pretty much the same station for the last 10 years or so. Uh-huh. It's been a long, long haul. Many, many, you know, old school hits played in that time. 
and about a third of those fucking songs was this motherfucker. <laughs> Soul Asylum, Runaway Goddamn Train. A song that is just... A, I don't enjoy the melody. I don't enjoy how it's sung. I don't enjoy any of the instruments. It is just a, a dreary four and a half minutes of nothing. That if it's memorable, is for all the bad reasons. Yeah, it's catchy, but not the good kind of catchy. You know what I mean? It's that kind of catchy. Like, should he use protection like kind of catchy? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> This is the HIV of the Hummus 100. Ugh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty, pretty Like HIV. <laughs> <laughs> pretty bad. Wouldn't contract. <laughs> I don't understand how anyone could like this. I don't understand why it was voted in. And I don't understand why it is still played on the station that I work at as a current flashback hit. And some people obviously think fondly of it because I haven't bothered to sit down and go, yeah, wait, perhaps, hang on, yeah. am I wrong? You are. You're perhaps wrong. you should ask one of the 16 million people that watched the video for Runaway Train on YouTube. That, I hope they were curious. Yeah. I hope that's it. I hope they never watched it again. I hope there's, there's, there's like single you IP addresses. Like, like, I've, like I've said previously on this show, no matter how big or how small the band, no matter where they're from, Whatever they do, there are obsessive fans of them. And goddamn, there's a lot of Soul Asylum fans. I never realized what? that until. Yeah. Who these, are they? These guys were fucking huge. This Why? guy. How? This song was a massive worldwide smash. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how I that think could be. This song is of some of the worst caliber of cringe music. And the reason that that is, is because his intentions aren't bad. The video for this song is trying to find missing children and that's the song as well. But it has all the video montage in the film clip has a photo of a missing child much like the photo of a milk carton in America. And then it says such and such, like John Smith missing since 1990. Like Mm. Jane Doe probably not really. I think that's (laughs) the term for a dead person. Um, (laughs) Jane Smith missing (laughs) missing since like 1991. It's a montage of these people that are missing. So it's in the, and they're trying to find them. If you've seen, oh, the real, oh, sorry, these are real. Yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. This is real people. Oh whoa! And it's going on like if you've seen these people or are these people, please call. And that was included in the video. And I think that that makes the song even worse. It's because its intentions oh. aren't bad, and it's going in there with this idea of like we can help. And for, for me to criticize a band to try and use their position to leverage a good cause because that is, I guess. Not a horrible thing to do, not but it comes across as preachy and bullshit. And I think that this <laughs> song is just a fucking like it's so so nothing. Yeah, man. That it, but it, it's not even like like the previous track. Who I, I already forgot its name. <laughs> <laughs> Taillight, yeah, fade whatever. Indeed. Fucking um, Buffalo Tom. Yeah, compared to that, which I think was generic and kind of beige. This is like I think the feeling I get from this song. Is when you go to a holiday house and your mum hypes the holiday house up. It's going to be a good holiday, Andrew. Don't worry, we'll have a good time. And you get there, and you all, everybody in the family realizes, oh, hold on, this is just going to be a crap holiday. I know already. Yes. Oh, mum's that, fucked you over. Is that rain? Oh, is the TV not working in this holiday house? Oh, this is a Nintendo. No, there isn't. This is a piece of crap. I hate this holiday. I'm getting off the train. Oh, no, wait, Andrew, don't worry. We found a box of Jenga in the... Co- oh, no, half the blocks are missing. Oh, oh shit. So maybe we can play some ladders. Don't worry, it's a crap game. <laughs> 
Nathan? Did you two go on the same vacation? I feel real close to I feel this is less about Soul Asylum and more about the shit vacation you two went on. No, it's the song. You blame it on the song. It took us to the same place. This goddamn runaway train. Andrew McDonald, missing since 2014. When I went to listen to the song, it like... It took me a few seconds. I'm like, all oh, right, this is Soul Asylum. Yeah, yeah like, right. This fucking song. Yeah. Because that Soul Asylum. This, I was this like, is oh, this, this going to be another like, song moment. Alice in Chains, Faith No More, Soul Asylum. You know, like that. It, it's like, oh, it has a name. It, exactly. But then it started. I was like, oh no, this is this song. And then I kind of laughed for a couple of minutes <laughs> at the song. Yeah. But I think it's like you were talking about the missing children in the film clip in America. 36 missing children were found because of the film clip. Wow. Okay. That's pretty amazing, and okay. it's kind of hard to knock that. That's, Which is that really cool. because you want to make it easy. It technically is hard to knock. Yeah. I'll I haven't seen the film clip. I haven't yeah. seen the film clip. I hate the song. I, that's the thing. I <laughs> Your hands are clean. I yeah, the song is shit, yeah, just, but somehow that makes that makes the like, in terms of the song, that somehow makes me hate the song even more. Sure. It just becomes a, even more of a cringeworthy thing because there's a good cause and a good result attached to this. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it just means like Oh, that's so so bad. That I, I, I'm not saying that that, that justifies the song. Yeah, anyway. I just like I think it's interesting that um, also because uh, in different countries they remade the film clip with different missing people from um, missing persons from from those countries. Fuck in Australia, no. a bu- they used a bunch of backpackers who'd gone missing, and a bunch of them turned out to be victims of Ivan Milat. Wow. Ivan so Milat missing. So there is something terrible about the song after all. <laughs> no. But also the flip side of that, and like. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about missing persons, about how how you publicise that, because a lot of the time people are running away from bad home situations. Yeah. And, you know, advertising the fact is, is not always the best thing. And um, a girl, when they were on tour, went up to them and sort of laughingly said that they ruined her life because she had to go back home to her, like, quite abusive home situation. Because, I mean, because these are children, and when you're 14... Ha-ha, you, ha, you ruined my life, ha-ha. Lol. I, I, I don't think, like, you know, it was the worst thing in the oh, okay, world. Okay, right. But, yeah, but it's, it's just, you know, like, yeah. sort of playing into that conversation about how you deal with missing people, because yeah. a lot of people run away because they need to be away from their home and, and yeah. anonymity is helping that yeah. and publicizing it is... So, yeah, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. interesting. The song and, and also, it is a bad song. Yeah. David? Well, we're all just keys that could use a little turning, I think. <laughs> when, it, when it all, when it all uh, you know, is all Can I be honest? Down. I didn't listen to this specifically for this podcast. I knew what the song was and went, that's right, fine. I've got the fuel. Yeah, that's I've got fine. the power! <laughs> You're a key that's already been turned. I'm already Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That key's been turned long yeah. ago. Wound up. Had <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. bunch of missing since 2003. That is very cathartic. There's been a lot of years of frustration built behind it this sounded. song. It sounds yeah, I've had to sit through it a lot, man. I'm oh. glad we've got this on record now. Yeah. Like, right. you know, you never have to think or see or speak about this band again. I wish that we had somehow misinterpreted this and thought that Adam loved the song. It was like, oh, we actually have Soul Asylum in the next room and they're going to come out and just for you right now. But we don't. Alas, <laughs> alack. Yeah. They'd just be looking as calm like, as they oh, do in yeah. the music video. Adam, this might be the worst day of your life. <laughs> this is definitely going to be the worst day of this. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's trashing them for five minutes and they go, oh, now come out and play a song. And just looks at them and then just flash cuts to Soul Sama missing since 2014. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Oh, God damn. That's going to have to do us. Alright, the last song we're going to be talking about today it's the return of Alice in Chains at number 51 with Wood. 
Alice in Chains at number 51 in the 1993 Hottest 100 with Wood. Wood? Nathan? Wood. What do you think of this song? Would I? I don't know. Would you? Wood? It's, um, this song is okay. I mean, I'm not a fan of Alice in Chains. I say at the best of times, but I'm just like, I'm just not a fan. Like, it's what about at the worst of times? Uh, then I'd probably dislike to hate them. And the worst <laughs> of times? Uh, then I... N.A. Cool. <laughs> Not applicable. Good I don't know, this, this song is fine. I, you know, like, it's cool. It, it, like, cool, whatever. Like, you know, it's it's about um, uh, the guy from the other band. His friend. Andrew yeah, who died knows. from a drug overdose. Yeah. But it's, it's sort of about that. But it's also more pointed at the people that are talking about him. Yeah. And being like, you know, let's not get too judgmental about people that die from overdoses. Which I think is is a full worthy you know, message for a song. Yep. It just doesn't grab me. I don't think um, it has the gravitas that the last Alice in Chains song we listened to has. Rooster, Rooster. I think. Yeah. Rooster has so much going on. This doesn't really do much for me. It's fine. Uh, interesting to note that it and the Screaming Trees song that we talked about a couple of weeks ago were both on the sound- same soundtrack for the movie Singles, which oh. had a lot of grunge on it. No shit. What was Singles about? Do you know? Do you know anything about the film? Uh, no. Okay. about some Singles. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mac? Um, I like I mentioned in the past, Dirt is one of my favourite uh, albums from the grunge era. This is the final track from the album. Yep. I think in that context, it's a wonderful song. It's a really excellent closing out track to the record. It's got the uh, like the, the guitar solo in it. It's vintage ARC, that kind of pedal-affected, kind of like loose, it's about the notes that don't play kind of solo. Very lovely. Um, I think the fact that it's about a friend of theirs who OD'd on heroin is only a more... I guess a uh, pertinent and touching message now, particularly with the like the "so I made a big mistake" lyric comes in, and looking at that now with the benefit of like a sad hindsight, it's like man, like, mm. you really did. Like it's it's a really I think it's t- uh, touching. So not, not as touching as the first half of Rooster, as mentioned. And Rooster is a better song, but I just think this is a wonderful closer to the record, which is the context with which I am most familiar with it. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's a great song, a bit of an odd single choice. It's much, I guess, by their standards, it's very lush for an Alice in Chains song to get yeah. a start. Yeah. Um, the production is very nice. Um, yeah, I've mentioned before Alice in Chains are my favourite of the grunge era, and I think this is a great song on a terrific record. Things I've learned in The Hottest 100 of 1983, number two, I think I like Alice in Chains. They're, yeah. I had really, really good. I, I, yeah. I've, I've really started to reconsider my relationship with this band. You know, I found my copy of Dirt and I threw it on. I was just like, oh, actually. I, I need to give this some more time, you know? I actually really got into it. And, and ever since we talked about Rooster, I've really, really gotten back yeah. into that track as well. So yeah, it's been a real discovery for yeah. me. Um, this track? Again, I think it's aged really well. I think it goes really nicely with Rooster. I think it's, I think it's a comparable song to Rooster, really. I don't think yeah. it's quite as good, but, you know, like, it's it's great. And it hits the same kind of place for me, you know, like... Which yeah, I, there's, which there's I feel a melancholia like, that undercuts both of them. I feel like... I wish I'd, I'd discovered this band at a time where I was more into this kind of yeah. music. Like, mm, when I was going through sure. my spiky-headed, a perfect circle shirt-wearing phase in high school. <laughs> yeah, I have Dagger ones from uh, Metanoms. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I was listening to that yesterday. so good. Yeah, it's um, good. Anyway. Uh, that guy, that incarnation of me, like, obviously he's still there somewhere deep down inside because he's the guy who jumps up when I hear Alice in Chains. And, I, and I, I'm sorry to him that I couldn't, you know, like, have provided this music for him at a time where he would have loved it. But it's kind of nice to find music like that now that I can still connect to. Yeah. And that's what it's doing for me right now. So, like, it's cool that I've done this podcast and found that. Yeah, sure. 
I love the vocal interplay between Jerry and Lane on this. Yeah. Always, there's harmony. Works so so well, it, especially with Jerry singing the lead vocals in the verse. Uh, I think that works really really well. Um, yeah, I it's, think it, they've good. they've just got like significantly different voices, but they managed to blend quite well. This is a Jerry composition, I believe. Uh, most uh, Alison Chain songs are oh, okay, right? Sure. Yeah, like. He's behind a lot of the lyrics and a lot of the the main songwriting, and uh, Lane would, you know, he just he just channel what he was doing through Lane, and Lane would, you know, um, yeah, present it vocally. Uh, so yeah, I, I I like I like that about this song, and the bass is absolutely killer on this track as well. Um, like I said, yeah, I really started to think. Maybe I need to spend a bit more time with this band and with this album in particular. And yeah, maybe uh, I need to give Dirt a go. Yeah, maybe sure. I, I, I think I, I think I've made the right choice. I think there's I think there's a lot to work with here. So, uh, wood, 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 might, might, wood, wood, wood again, wood again. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of this week's edition of Hottest One Hundreds, and we are fucking halfway. Give me that! Give me that! No, fuck you! <laughs> folly! That was a folly high five! <laughs> yes! <laughs> wow, how many people are here? <laughs> oh, there's just so many going on at the same time! This is great! We're, we're, high terrible. Five. we're clapping! I'm guys. just. I can't see it, but we I'm, t- I'm, s- I'm too excited about this. Guys, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming through. 50. Wonderful songs. Wonderful, <laughs> terrible, <laughs> like Wonderful some of the best about. songs yeah. of all time, some of the worst songs of all time. Like, we have really run the gamut in this 50. And, and allegedly, the next 50 are even better. Ooh. Allegedly. <laughs> as so as the delightful Deborah Conway put it, it's only the beginning. So, we have plenty more to look forward to over the next 50 songs. But uh, check like a few more Hottest 100s after that. Oh, <laughs> oh just a few. Yeah, Maybe of course. More. Like I said, it's only the beginning. Check us out on iTunes. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, etc. Check us out on WordPress, Hottest 100s and Thousands. That's 100SAND100. Zero. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Wood. <laughs> You'll figure it out. <laughs> Don't WordPress, you know, just just do the fucking numbers. I'm not good with numbers and shit. The five of us here will definitely agree with that. I'm not good with numbers at all. But uh yes. Five? Wood? Alright, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I get it now. I'm sorry. But Joker until- landed. <laughs> Yay! Boom! But until next time, on behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald, on behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher, and on behalf of Mr. Nathan. Harrison, my name is David James Young. Keep music evil. Goodbye. Hottest 100s and thousands is filmed in front of a live studio audience.